Hello everybody, and today's lunch break talk is not going to only include DPT Sarah Caffey, but also future DPT 2B Angeles Goldnitsky. Enjoy some great conversation between two great people who are both at ends of the journey. Enjoy the conversation and don't forget to leave a review on your podcast medium of choice. Enjoy. Today on the Move Mode David podcast, I am joined by Dr. Sarah Caffey, and we have uh, fellow acro PT coworker Angela Skolnitsky here. Hey there. And what's really cool is we have a doctor of PT, and now one that just got accepted to the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. Uh, so for today's podcast, I thought it'd be a cool conversation to have to see what it's like going into school and one that has been out and successful in the field. So first, Angela, you want to give yourself a little background as to who you are, what you do, and then hopefully we can get a good conversation between you and Sarah. Sure, I'd love to. I feel very honored to be invited to this podcast, which I found out about five seconds ago. (laughs) Um, I am thrilled to get to be a physical therapist, hopefully someday. Uh, I had a career in um, defense contracting and army and it's a big change from where I want to go but feel good about it. I will say going back to school there were more classes than I anticipated just to get into the program. Uh, I just finished a year and a half of prerequisites before a three-year program Uh, but it's fun to learn, and I'm embracing this new phase. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's something that's always interested me about uh, academia is the curriculum that we all have to kind of go through. A lot of times, a lot of the gen eds, I feel like, are completely useless. Uh, but then again, you know, I guess it depends on whoever's chasing what because careers do change, right? So maybe having that baseline helps. But um, do you have any questions? Actually, let's do this first. Sarah, being in the field for now six years. Six, seven years. Six, seven years. I've been a part, uh, I will say, of Sarah's journey for four of them. Um, Do you have now, having hindsight on your journey into PT school, any words of wisdom for our young student uh, doctor-to-be in the PT field? I think the best words of wisdom that I was given was by my anatomy professor. Uh, And it is trust the process. Trust the process. Trust the process that all the prerequisites will build up to a bigger understanding or understanding and trust that one step at a time, even though it's like you have to start with the, the building blocks so that when it comes to it, it just becomes like an innate intuitive knowledge to you. And you're, you're like, people don't think this way, but that's because you spent all this time getting those prerequisites in and it just becomes like a part of your thought process without even really having to think about it. So even though it doesn't really feel like these kind of basic sciences are gonna be utilized, you probably are utilizing them more in the future as just a, a, a ground base. So trust the process. <laughs> one day at a time, one class at a time, one patient at a time. <laughs> Thank you. 
do you have any questions in the process that I, I mean yeah in the process of getting your doctorate I mean aside from school maybe even like uh, I don't know just questions and journeys like for me a lot of the times if you're going to like an outpatient based school you maybe want to make that transition like as someone that has been in outpatient or maybe actually you own your own business too on the side too like how is that in terms of integrating you know like your your schooling and how much does that change from someone like myself who has his own business to adding like dpt are there more like roots and stuff i just kind of asked my own question but you do you have any questions <laughs> i actually have too many questions at present i i am in process of trying to download all the information from all the pts that are willing to hang out for me because i realize just how much i have to learn So what's your question? <laughs> <laughs> Let me just absorb all your knowledge. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, right now I'm, I'm really interested in diagnostic technique of how you figure out what the problem is when you see somebody come in in pain. Um, and I realize that's a completely unreasonable question because that takes a lifetime of experience to get there. But I still want to know it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely is a, a process, and it and also depends on the population that you're working with too. Um, it's, a, I would say, it's a little different working with athletes of like having a pain versus like a more uh, sedentary population of like what's going on. Um, but ultimately, I find that the patient will tell you what's going on. The patient, like the subjective, which is what when you're asking like their story and listening to the story, the patient will ultimately tell you kind of like what happened, like what's going on uh, <clears throat> in their own words, maybe not the technical term. Maybe they'll sh demonstrate a movement like this muscle hurts, this shoulder hurts when I go in this direction. And so I'm thinking, okay, what muscle is what muscle is the opposite of that direction that might be tight um and what uh special tests could i do that might um give me a bigger picture but ultimately it kind of comes down to my clinical reasoning like what have i seen before what how are the how is that patient presenting what can they tolerate um and kind of just diving into treating what I see in the beginning, especially with just the hands-on techniques that I do, treating what I see, based, giving strengthening exercises based on muscles that are presenting weak um, or movement patterns that aren't um, symmetrical. So I think, I think it, sometimes it, Sometimes it's a harder question when um, it's not a straightforward answer. Like there's not like a imaging that shows that somebody's having pain versus like all of a sudden that person is having pain, but there's no real like deeper understanding. It's more just that muscles are getting tight in particular ways. Um, so. I'm not sure if that really answers your question or not. I would say really at the at the at the end of the day, the patient will tell you what what happened. It's more of just kind of deciphering through what they're stating they did, um, and how long the pains lasted, how they respond to treatment, if they respond to treatment, 
if you can change their pain with your hands-on treatment or not. Um, and just treating what you see in the beginning. And what do you do if, if it's not like a standard injury? Like there's so many times where we just want to apply a label to somebody of, oh, it looks like you twisted your ankle or it looks like you um, sprained your wrist. What do you do when you see somebody who's got strange pain responses that don't seem to have any... So I guess what I'm asking is I learned about this thing that apparently only humans have. Um, animals don't have this problem, but humans have conditions where our pain receptors just go crazy because there's something in our mind that's telling us that there's something really wrong. <laughs> and it seems to be more common than I ever thought possible. Um, so I'm just, I guess I'm wondering what you do in response to things like that. Um, I would say that I pretty much start with the, kind of start small, like say somebody's having pain at their elbow, okay, I'll start at the elbow, look at the range of motion in the elbow, I'll look at the strength in the elbow, I'll kind of feel around at the muscles in the elbow, um, am I seeing any discrepancies or dysfunctions there? If the answer is yes, then I'll treat that, did that help with that symptom? If the answer is no, then I'll start branching out and looking at more of the extremities. Now I'll start looking at the adjacent joints, like the wrists. Okay, like how is the wrist range of motion? How is the wrist strength? How is the shoulder strength? And I'll just start kind of working my way um, more globally uh, in, <clears throat> in that patient and holistically of what might be the driver of the issue because ultimately <clears throat> somebody might have pain in their elbow that might be driven by like tightness in their mid back that caused their neck to get tight that caused them to use their muscles in the forearm more and by the time they come to PT they've compensated so much that that actually is pretty much the case so I pretty much start at the area that they have pain and I'll start working out also utilizing different referral patterns gives me different um, kind of like light bulb moments. Like if somebody's telling me they're having pain here, but they can still do um, movements and they're still strong in that area, then that kind of leads me to, okay, this, these different muscles refer pain in this area. Let me take a look at them and see if these air muscles are tight or not moving or not strong enough. Um, and that kind of just leads me through this systematic reasoning or how are they moving and that maybe the way that that person's moving gives me different clues of what could be causing that dysfunction because ultimately I could probably pick anybody off the street and find some asymmetry where asymmetrical creatures were not you know we're one typically one hand dominant so most of us are going to be asymmetrical it's when you start coming in with pain that I'm like okay what asymmetry may be leading to this overcompensation so do you think it's okay to have a degree of compensation that just sort of exists on a daily basis as long as there's not pain? Do you feel like you need mm. to fix it? I think that um, I think that that kind of is where the line starts to be drawn with like rehab versus preventative medicine. Um, 
And I think that it's important to bring people's attention to their asymmetries. Um, but sometimes you can bring, like you can be over aware of your body and not live any, like you're not living then, you know, like um, I think it's just important to recognize that these asymmetries exist and you want to be aware of it. And sometimes just yoga can show demonstrate that, like you're doing a yoga pose on one side that feels different than the other side. Um, so people already kind of recognize they have certain asymmetries. I think that <clears throat> perhaps that might be something different than PT that is just a different service that could be offered, maybe not through insurance, but um, I think that that's the educational piece that I find really fascinating and, and want to get more into. And sorry, a tangential, but I thought of another question. So speaking from like a more holistic point of view, how much do you think the patient themselves are responsible for their own healing process? Like I know it, it's popular for people to come in and just say, you're the doctor, you fix me. Um, but how, how much do you really think you're responsible for? Um, like how much? I like to be very careful with that because it, especially with using hands-on PT or hands-on therapy, people can be very, um, can become dependent on that. And I think that that's why I really enjoyed this year diving into telehealth because I felt like I was better able to empower my patients in showing them that they can heal themselves. And so um, that's a lot of pressure to put on, on me as the one responsible ultimately, you know, this is that person's body. And, and I've been in those situations where I've felt really responsible for somebody else's healing and, and that can be really draining and I, and, and I just, I try to protect myself from putting myself in that particular role, although being an empath and caring about my patients, you know, that, that that's ultimately going to happen. But I try to recognize that when I do start to feel that draw from a patient that I need to maybe switch up my treatment techniques a little bit more out of my passive techniques of manual therapy and start teaching more um, maybe more exercise wise, like more more ways for that person to massage themselves or or start diving into different yoga poses that that person can do and, and try to switch and become, and empower my patients more. So it can be a, a trap as a manual therapist to feel like you have a lot more responsibility for somebody's healing, but um, ultimately, I've learned uh, that that's a boundary that I need to make sure that I set in a way that I'm empowering my patients. So I love it. Yeah. It's great. My <clears throat> couple comments I would like to make. Uh, I'm aware of this because I know you both. <clears throat> I would like to let our audience know that you both do have backgrounds in yoga. We had heard yoga come up a bunch of times and definitely in Sarah's uh, method of practice holistic is definitely a part of it often i'll see sarah when i go personally with sarah I, I mean i'm doing general checkups but she'll check my hips you know check everything and uh along i mean truly when i'm done with the session with sarah my mind is racing about the idea of the kinetic chain because the way that she works and and just articulates my body see what's going on uh definitely um it it shows me that everything does have an influence 
over one another. So it was really cool to watch. Uh, and then we're talking about manual therapy and kind of creating, uh, setting those boundaries between patient and, and, and therapist and in a way creating this environment where the therapist allows, empowers the patient so that they create extreme ownership in a sense of what, you know, a reminder that they do have the power to also help themselves. My question to you, Angela, as someone that is, you know, pursuing this path now, um, there are many ways of approaching therapy. Are you considering manual therapy? Your mentors here have been manual therapists, but is that is that something that you think you will end up following suit? Uh, I do. Mostly, well, partially because um, this location, these people were the original inspiration for me to go down this field. Um, I came in with an injury, and I saw how uh, people worked here, and I said, this is what I want. <laughs> um, but I, I do enjoy the idea of being able to help people with hands-on techniques, partially because I've seen uh, the success of it, and I've felt the success of it. Um, and, you know, I'm also a yoga instructor that enjoys giving hands-on feedback. And you just see people chill. They just let go of their stress, their tension, um, in a yoga setting, at least. <coughs> um, and it's not about guiding people where to go. It's just, again, it's, it's encouraging feedback and encouraging self-awareness through uh, tactile response and that proprioception that is so hard for so many people to build um so yes that is what i want in answer to your question <laughs> no no I, I, that was i like i said i think that i mean that's awesome i think that's that's really cool especially because uh, i mean i've talked to sarah before we've talked about like plenty of conversations during our lunch breaks and now we're just choosing to uh start recording them which i think will do those who choose to listen a lot of good but um think it's always interesting because we're uh one of the conversations that we've had before is kind of like language you know is it, we we all have agreed that the words that are coming the sounds that are coming out of my mouth mean something and we can interpret them and and have a conversation but touch is also a language right body language and when you're putting your hands onto somebody you're creating this experience that ends up hopefully giving them like you're saying more proprioceptive awareness and understanding as to what you're trying to accomplish and I mean, for me, a lot of times when, like, Sarah's putting her hands on me and giving that stimulus, it's really, like, talking to my body, like, this is tight. This needs to go back to where it is. So I think uh, the way that you just, phrased, like, you know, word, worded that out in your journey is just really, really cool and definitely speaks a lot to the, the root of manual therapy. It's really cool. But any any closing thoughts before we finish up our lunch break mm -hmm. talk? Well, I just wanted to, to say, since you're talking about language, um, a thought just popped up of how I've started to change my language with patients um, regarding pain, asking a patient, are they in pain? One, I've stopped using the word pain altogether and start using the word sensation because ultimately pain science has started to reveal, like Angela uh, touched on, is that Pain is really just an output of the brain. Like our body is constantly giving us input from our receptors and our body interprets that as pain. And pain can be very subjective. Um, stretching, a sense of feeling tight is also a same thing, a sensation. So I've just stopped using the word sensation because, or stopped using the word pain 
and, and replace it by since the word sensation because I don't want our I don't want us to be transfixed on pain because that only uh, strengthens that mind connection of like thinking about the pain constantly, um, which is just kind of like a almost a revolutionary idea of just how powerful our words are and how we can be transfixed on something as pain and have an idea of what that even means um, and that changing the way that we experience the world and in our in our habits and that can then curve us to not move as much which causes us not to get tight or not or or weak and so um i just wanted to state state that since you're talking about language and how that that can just be important just how you talk to somebody how you even talk to yourself um and how i talk to my patients i appreciate it any thoughts oh i agree with all of it um <laughs> I, I gave Sarah a little bit of a hard time with the questions I ask when really I already know where I stand, um, which is on empowering people uh, through language, through touch, through how they think about their pain even, um, because it, it makes a difference. It helps them feel accountable for themselves. You, you give people that responsibility and they'll step up. They can learn how to take care of themselves too so it's it's not just on the doctor here right mm -hmm. yeah absolutely well uh i guess the thing i'll leave you off with is whether you're hands-on or actually uh talking to a friend the the power of the word is it, it is it holds power and uh just think about how you're communicating with yourself and with others thank you for tuning in we'll catch you next time adios bye